about what we give our time, attention, and love. We enjoy sharing and following friends, family, colleagues, and inspirational leaders aligned with our passions and interests in a hyper-connected world. We're all about tribes. We join tribes that speak to us and align with our vibe. In Tribe Goals, we share time with key lifestyle and industry change makers as they share some of their inspirations, thinking, and flow with their communities. We'll see how they started and grew their tribe, as well as which they have joined and how that has fueled them. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith, and we'll navigate our favorites in our show, Tribe Goals. We've been fans of Prime Video's Bosch, where we follow along as Harry Bosch solves a number of cases regardless of how many feathers he ruffles in the process. On May 6th, the story continues on Amazon Freebie with Bosch Legacy. We see how Bosch continues to fight for victims as his daughter, Maddie Bosch, continues to walk in her father's steps and how he will reconnect with former nemesis, Honey Chandler. We enjoy the way Titus Welliver leans into his characters and draws a set. Whether it's his work in ABC's Lost, FX's Son of Anarchy, HBO's Deadwood, and countless other TV shows and movies, we know that Titus is going to leave quite a memory with us and the characters that he plays. We talked with him about becoming an actor, working in the industry, and taking on Bosch, which comes from a series of books written by Michael Connolly. What was the moment that you realized that you wanted to be an actor? Oh, boy. You know, I think I was born acting. I don't know about that. It's difficult. (laughs) Or I could say right after I realized I I didn't want to be a firefighter or a policeman anymore, like all 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 little boys do. But um, I I actually there was a filmmaker named Rudy Burkhart and he made some films and I, he asked me to be in a film of his when I was about five. And it was a very, very simple little bit of kind of playing a little boy who had a shiny penny in his pocket and he was walking down a road and he had a hole in his pocket and lost the penny. And the penny was stolen from him by the, this stingy old man. And I remember sort of thinking that it was, that it was kind of fun. Um, but didn't really consider it uh, any further than that and did some little bits in school plays and things like that. But Mm -hmm. I really initially was uh, trained to be a painter, uh, to be a fine artist. That's what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always had interest, uh, certainly um, in film and, and I watched a lot of television. And so uh I had uh, I was spending a summer with my mother. She was living in Boston, but I didn't go to school there. So I didn't have any friends. I didn't know any kids there. And she was living in an area where there there just wasn't that kind of accessibility. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of left to my own devices, which meant that I was going to the Cineplex and just going to the movies all day long. And she signed me up at a place called the Actors Workshop in Boston. I was 14 years old. And I was reluctant. I went, I don't want to, you know, I wasn't a camp kid. I like sports camps and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I went and after the first day, I came back to my mother and I said, can I do more days of this? So I ended up doing five days a week of doing this. And it was a, it was a professional school for both adult and for, for kid actors. Um, And I did that and I spent the summer doing that, but I still stayed on the trajectory. Um, that I was going to go to art school and I painted um, and studied and studied. And I did a few productions in high school 
and enjoyed doing that. And then after a year of art school, um, that was, uh, I, I was kind of left cold to a certain degree. And I had a conversation with my father who, uh, would, you know, very directly said to me, you know, when you're not thinking about girls and <laughs> drinking beer, uh, <laughs> what do you, what do you think about? And I said, I think about acting. And my father said, uh, so not painting. And I said, no. And he went, then you need to be an actor. Wow. And uh, that was kind of it. What's your process like when you're thinking about attaching yourself to projects? I mean, I've loved you in Deadwood and Sons of Anarchy and obviously Bosch. Like, what are you looking for when you're like, yes, this is something I want to do? I think it all, you know, it. well, when <laughs> when you're starting out, it's it, it's about <laughs> paying. It's about paying your bills, but also gaining experience. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I did a lot of. Uh, very, very teeny tiny parts in, in plays and in short films and things, because I was just trying to learn any experience. Um, so there's that, but I think more than anything, it starts with the writing and, you know, um, I, I, I've read a lot of bad scripts and, and I've acted in a few. Um, but when the material is good, Mm um, then it's, uh, that, then it's on, you know, then then you realize that that you're in the presence of some material that's going to to challenge you and and also uh, hopefully teach you something. Because I always say, um, you know, if I'm I, I like to be in a constant state of, of of learning and getting better, I don't you know, I think, uh, you know, time and age and experience uh you know, the hope is that we evolve, certainly as artists. Otherwise, you know, you'd get kind of bored and and then go do something else. And I've been extraordinarily fortunate that I've worked with great writers and producers and directors over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, David Milch and Stephen Bochco, to name a few. And then here I landed with Michael Connolly and Eric Overmeyer and Tom Bernardo and, um, you know, a a very, very uh, gifted and dynamic group of people. And also uh, given the opportunity to play, you know, this iconic character um, that uh, is just, uh, he's he's just, he's kind of like Santa Claus for an actor. He just (laughs) bring come, comes down the chimney every day I go to work and gives me something nice. Well, I've been a fan of Michael Connelly books for a number of years. So when I heard that obviously Bosch was going to Prime Video, I was super excited. When I heard you were going to be Bosch, I was like, oh, my God, that's going to be so good. How did that come together that you got to be a part of this? Well, I initially was sent the script and I read it very quickly. I had only read one of the Bosch books many, many years prior to. Unbeknownst Mm -hmm. to me, my younger brother had read and reread the books and, and, and to this day possesses a kind of encyclopedic knowledge of, (laughs) of, uh, of the Bosch, of everything that, that Michael has written. So uh, through a series of mishaps, I kept trying to meet with Michael and uh, the meetings kept getting pushed off and I was shooting um, Transformers Age of Extinction, which had me, traveling all over the place in Chicago and Michigan and Hong Kong. And we just kept missing. And uh, I got a call a couple months later from my manager and he said, look, you've got, 
you've got a little window and uh, Michael Connolly is in town. And so you're going to meet with him. And I, and I, at that point, I said, I, I thought that boat sailed because yeah. it had been, been a couple months it had passed. And I went in and I met with him and the producers and uh, the director. And uh, I was, uh, you know, as my grandmother would say, I was blessed <laughs> in that moment. I, yeah. I, I, I left uh, that audition feeling good. Um, but, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough and have enough humility to know that that's all you can do. Yeah. And, and got the call from my manager and uh, that I had been cast as Bosch and to say I was thrilled was an understatement. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, and it was just even more realized as, you know, in the first day I knew from the first day of shooting that I was part of something that was different that, that, you know, and I, I I've done, I've played other, cop characters and I've done mm -hmm. lots of procedural, uh, you, you know, cop shows. Uh, and I think it's, look, when you're doing something from the ground up, um, it's, it's tricky, but when you have source material, mm -hmm. um, like Michael Connelly's books, you got to work really hard to mess it up, mm -hmm. but it, you know, in, in, uh, you know, less capable hands, it, it could be very, very messed up. You know, the, yeah. the, the temptation to, to sort of sex things up for lack of a better word, you know, have him wearing Brioni suits and driving a fast car and, yeah. and jumping in and out of bed with, with, you know, like James Bond, um, <laughs> you know, and that's, I, 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 I was relieved that there was never any kind of consideration to do anything because I always felt like it ain't broke, no need to fix yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't, uh, and because of the, the way that, that Amazon and the executives work, you know, uh, and that's, that's at the beginning of the studios, they, they, they had kind of a, a prime directive, which was to get delegate, Mm -hmm. to, to, to get the material, but then to delegate the process to, to the creative people mm -hmm. and not to micromanage and to, yeah. you know, delegate it to people that they had, you know, that they trusted. And, mm -hmm. uh, and they really, um, they did that and they stood, you know, behind the show. And when we needed things, you know, they always showed up and they, and, um, you know, and because we had such a, a great group of writers and producers, you know, we were excited by the acceptance and and uh, uh, and and the invitation into people's homes with the show and the success of the show. Mm -hmm. But I think that we always felt that uh, we, you know, what it speaks back to what I said about evolving and and learning. And I felt like the show just continued to get better and better. Um, and, and here we are now, you know, in Bosch legacy, which is, uh, which is a continuation of, of the work that we've been doing for all these years. So for those who might've needed a little refresher, where did we leave Bosch from season seven and where do we pick up with him again, going into legacy for like his journey of a saga? Well, Harry's, you know, at the, in the last season of Bosch, he's so completely fed up and disenfranchised that he gives his badge to the chief of police and says, I'm done. Mm 
Yeah. And there's a great line that Irving says to him in that moment. He says, you know, who are you going to be? You know, if you're not a cop, you don't have a badge. Who are you going to be? And Harry says, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. And and then in the in the final scene, sort of a little Easter egg scene, we find Harry uh, filling out his paperwork to become a private investigator. Mm-hmm. And so we pick up a little over a year later after that season and Harry is, uh, he's working as a private eye, but he's not, um, you know, he's doing sort of, you know, divorce cases and things here and there. It's not like mm-hmm. he's got this bustling business and, uh, and Maddie has, uh, She's joined the force. She's now been on the force for a while. She's mm-hmm. still uh, uh, working with a training officer. So she's a boot. And she's trying to find her her own legs. But she's mm-hmm. Harry's daughter. It's really in her DNA. She she carries a lot of the work ethic and the same characteristics and has the same moral compass, which, mm-hmm. of course, and she's an independent thinker, places her at odds. Um, and uh, but she's she's out there doing it. Um, and we find Chandler sort of reeling from, you know, very, very serious PTSD from having almost been killed. And the person who orchestrated, uh, her attempted assassination and, and, and Maddie's is, uh, looks like he's going to go free. Yeah. Um, so you find everybody's in, in these sort of states of being kind of fractured and broken, you know, Harry is untethered. He's kind of, he's kind of wandering and he's always been sort of an isolated character, but Mm -hmm. he's, he's more isolated than ever now. And um, Maddie, as she's navigating it, she's also trying to sort of come into her own because she's, you know, Harry's legacy has cast a very, very big shadow and it's Mm -hmm. not all great. Right. I mean, you know, Harry's reputation was that of being a closer and a great detective, Yeah. but he pissed a lot of people off because he was a very direct guy and, and, you know, not exactly user friendly. (laughs) So, the name Bosch on her, on her uniform is not Mm -hmm. necessarily um, a great thing. Yeah. And she does not use her father's reputation uh, as, as commerce within the department. So you, you know, we find, we find these, these characters, um, they're all kind of navigating things uh, at, at the same time and interacting. So it doesn't feel mm-hmm. necessarily like, like it's a triptych, everything kind of intertwines, but it's not, it's also not like you got Maddie and Chandler and Harry, you know, having dinner at the house. Right. Together. It's not, it's not contrived like that. They are, they're all living their different lives and they're all finding their way. Well, how excited, you know, in my final question, are you to continue this story and to still be a part of this? Well, I'm very excited. And, you know, the idea when we were shooting the final season of Bosch, there was a, there was a heaviness for everyone involved. Um, 
we'd become very, very close and like a family as productions do. And we all were invested and, and were very, very uh, um, connected and, and, and committed to our characters and, and to the show. And so when the opportunity uh, presented itself that we, that we would continue, obviously mm-hmm. with the smaller um, ensemble cast and the ability to focus really more on on three central characters but yeah. still bring in you know the 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 characters that people know and love that mm. populate you know the the Harry Bosch universe um it's a thrill and i'm i'm very excited for the show to to come out there because i think the the fans uh, of the show that have been so incredibly supportive over the years are really eager and, and hungry and they want to see what what it's going to be like. And they, I'm, you know, so um, I, I have confidence that we will we will meet and surpass their expectations. that you're energized from the insights on today's episode of Tribe Goals. Tribe Goals is a member of the Multimedia Podcast Network Athleisure Studio, part of Athleisure Media and Athleisure Mag. Make sure to follow us and to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Himalaya, and Stitcher Premium. Visit us at athleisurestudio.com backslash Tribe Goals. Then follow us on Instagram at tribe.goals to see new episodes of Tribe Goals, as well as to see what other shows we have launched throughout our network. Tribe Goals is hosted by me, Kimmy Smith, and is executive produced by Paul Farkas and myself. Our theme music, Rough and Deep, is performed by Juggling. I'll be back with our next Tribe Goals guest. Thank you.